The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about private equity's take on the MarTech landscape. Joining us today is Paul Ciarto, who is the founder of PS Group Holdings, which is a technology and investment company and growth accelerator that supports more than 20 diverse assets at any given time, with an AMU exceeding 200 million. PSG has the sole purpose of creating change through product, services, and people by establishing operational efficiencies to increase profitability and overall valuation, and they focus on minimizing digital disruption using transformation models that focus on SAP and ERP systems. They also optimize big data solutions, enterprise projects, portfolio planning, and even do some executive-level coaching. Yesterday, Paul and I talked about his tips for growth accelerations from the private equity standpoint. And today we're going to continue the conversation and talk about private equity's take on digital transformation. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Paul Ciardo, founder of PS Group Holdings. Paul, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday we talked about private equity and how they think about working with technology-driven companies. A lot of it was how you think about growing a company that's a B2B SaaS company that is digitally native. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that all brands need to be online. You never know what's going to happen, and sometimes people can't actually physically get to your location. You better have an online presence. A lot of companies have gone through a digital transformation in the last year. Tell me, has that been something that private equity companies have seen? Have they taken part in pushing the digital transformation? So, Ben, I'm actually going to give you the precursor to digital transformation, which is digital disruption. And I think the pandemic has actually disrupted more organizations than that have been able to proceed with the transformation because this pandemic hit where essentially everybody is forced to be online. And a lot of these organizations, especially even higher education, they weren't even prepared to do this let alone lower education, like traditional like grammar school and so on. I know my kids were thrown into this situation where they had to do everything remotely at home and so on. It's like the school system was completely disrupted. They were not even prepared from a digital transformation standpoint to support that. 
trying to watch a two-year-old get on a Zoom conference <laughs> with a room of a bunch of other two-year-olds that are running around like crazy oh was God. one of the most hilarious and equally frustrating times of my life. I'm sure other people have experienced that as well. It definitely digitally disrupted our household. Right? It was embarrassing because digital transformation is all about putting a plan in place to transform the organization based on all of these economical, market, competitive you know, factors that are essentially forcing us to become digitally capable to operate our business, right? And if you just think of what happened with your kids and my kids, the school systems were ill-prepared. They crammed a digital strategy in place within weeks to try to keep a continuance of education within the system. And I know my children suffered. I'm sure yours also did because they were not prepared. They did not learn. They didn't learn anything for five months. And then it took them another three, four months to figure out a digital transformation strategy for the new year. So 2021, my kids come back in and it's like, okay, we have this figured out now. And I think as it relates to private equity, what we're looking for are organizations that are actually going to be disrupted, that actually have really good products, really good services, and we can actually implement a digital transformation strategy to do a few things. One, understand if the consumer base is even willing or able to accept the digital transformation, the model of how we're presenting products and services. And if they are, then we can develop a plan of execution to actually transform this organization into a competitive organization to now actually grow in the future. Let's talk a little bit about some of the industries that you see an opportunity for digital transformation. You know, the first ones that come to mind, I'm thinking about last year, are restaurants. There was a PDF menu on a website somewhere, and restaurants said they had a digital presence that obviously was not sufficient. You had to do touchless payments and delivery, all sorts of stuff. The other one I think about is e-commerce, right? Every local mom and pop store had to figure out how to prop up a website. I'm assuming Shopify did real well last year. Are there other industries that you see that are ripe for digital transformation or there's a trend of digital transformation happening? If you just take a look at all of the foundational, traditional organizations like real estate, home building, construction, car manufacturing, large cap manufacturing, large cap project management, even some of the core essential services like legal, medical, and so on. I think those are industries that probably they require very, very, very heavy capital investments to completely transform. And I actually forgot government. But you know, if you take into account those larger type organizations with like foundational services and products to ensure that an economy thrives, I think those are the ones that are going to take the longest to transform. They're going to have the greatest impact on the labor force. They're going to require the most money. But there's also a lot of opportunity within this space because if we think of the world of innovative tech, if you can figure out a way to completely streamline the transformational models for these markets, you just figured out the secret sauce, the algorithm that can actually support the economy, that these organizations are going to turn around and say, wow, you just figured something out. We need to buy you. We need this. How do we absorb this? It's interesting. You know, I assume that the industries that were ripe for digital transformation would be the disaggregated ones. I mentioned 
restaurants and e-commerce, you know, I was thinking home fitness, right? All right, you're not going to go to the gym. We need digital solutions to get people to work out. All the trainers need apps to be able to maintain their clients, like small mom and pop businesses that need a presence. And you're saying the exact opposite, which is these infrastructural, large, slow moving organizations. Those are the ones where there's the most opportunity for digital transformation. It also seems like that's the biggest headache, right? You got to rip out all these old legacy systems. Well, think of it like this. Since the pandemic, how many fitness applications have been created? Just think. I mean, from an entrepreneurial or small mom and pop shop standpoint, small business, they're agile, they're flexible, they're willing to take the risk. And whatever risk they take, they can easily implement. So to build an app these days, you're looking at 20 to 50K to build an app that actually could be used by people. I mean, it's not a very high cost endeavor anymore, just based on how the systems are being developed. And if I look online right now, there's probably 2,000 fitness apps. Every large organization out there is trying to figure out how to now, for example, take a look at Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness is a national, maybe global franchise, and they see the need for remote training. And it's like, okay, we have these huge facilities. How do we now capitalize on the people working out at home? So what they're doing is they're going down that digital route. Same thing with all of the personal trainers. I mean, personal trainers can just plug into some of these fitness apps. I think there's a lot of solutions that have accelerated for those day-to-day items like fitness, restaurants, food. I think there's a surplus now, you know? So it's like, for me as an investor, I look at those and I go, okay, so now if I'm going to buy one, I'm probably going to go down the route of doing a market consolidation, buying a few and then creating a, co- a single brand that's going to amplify this common solution versus if I think of project management. If we look at the world of project management, we take for granted that like, wow, we see restaurants all over the place. But the world of large cap is like a multi, multi-trillion dollar opportunity versus a billion dollar opportunity. But if we can figure out a way to streamline project management practices and accelerate the learning curve and to decrease fail rates within the world of large cap management, which is where the government's about to release a $6 trillion stimulus package that has something like $3 trillion in infrastructure spending. So just think of that. I mean, if you can figure out the way to digitally transform that marketplace, you're probably looking at a reward of billions. I love the investor approach to you to think about where the opportunity is in terms of what money is available. And obviously that makes sense. We're all trying to operate a business. I guess the question for me is when you think about actually managing the digital transformation, not necessarily just the industries that are ripe for it, but you're talking about large cap, lots of people, lots of complications, legacy systems, and maybe at times workforces that aren't the most motivated for change. And this really gets into true MarTech where you're ripping out systems and you're, you know, duct taping and gluing new systems in their place. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. 
Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. What's the secret to making digital transformations in large organizations like what you're talking about actually work? So you actually hit on a really interesting topic because if you take a look at the age of society, so we'll touch on this for just a minute, but everyone's getting older. I think that's always been the case. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're all getting older, right? But if we take a look at that baby boomer time period, like they're getting older, the workforce is starting to retire. So all of those people that are within those legacy positions working on those government systems, you know, the General Motors systems and so on, they're getting to retirement age. And now what's happening is this younger, more technologically advanced group is now coming into these organizations and they're sitting back and saying, okay, well, that's like a VCR. We have like phones that do that now. You're asking me to write this thing in triplicate. I don't need three pieces of paper. I'm just going to take a picture (laughs) of the document. Right? It's like, that's in cobalt. Like, what is cobalt? You know, and you have this guy who's like, but no offense to the guy, because he's probably getting paid a million dollars a year to write cobalt, but he's 85 years old and he's the only one that knows it. You show me the 85-year-old that's still coding. You actually know many that are 85 still coding. Oh, really? Yeah, man. In the world of uh, like DOD, we had it all the time in the IRS. It's just like, wow, there's some guys that are coding these systems that you know only one person knows the system and they're just sitting there like crunching away. But So that's where your tax dollars are going. <laughs> Right. So that's why we pay a million dollars for a hammer, because there's only one special hammer that can hit the nail. I guess. All right. So you've got these legacy systems, but the people that are working on them are retiring. And it's not the only space that we target. I mean, we we target, you know, modern applications and stuff like that. But I think that in addition to that, if you're looking for what's going to change the economy, what's going to change the society right now, I'd say, do we need another health and fitness app? Probably not. Do we need another restaurant app? Probably not. Can we go back to paper menus and get rid of the QR codes? (laughs) This just drafted me nuts. Once I saw airports transition from the wait staff at an airport to those digital kiosks, if I can go through Newark Airport and get a digital kiosk, I know every other airport on the planet has already modernized. So you know what's really scary about this, though? is that they're not just displacing old tech. They're displacing human capital. So what everyone should be focusing on is not just what tech is now going to be new. It's like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Because once you go through a digital transformation, the goal of digital transformation is to apply technology to create efficiencies and outcome, to create efficiencies and production rates. So that means, how do I decrease cost, increase production rates? Human capital is the most expensive. 
So if I could displace all of these people that don't understand the tech, okay, so I can bring in either automation, AI, machine learning, whatever, and do it from an automated fashion and still have the same results or greater results. Okay, great. I'm going to do that. This is where the private equity guys get a bad rap because now I feel obligated to call you one of the bobs for bringing in technology and then all of a sudden, you know, less human capital, which means less people working, which is better for the business, challenging for the, I don't know whether it's the economy or the individual worker, let's call it the workforce. And that's not necessarily the conversation we're trying to have. It's really about what makes the digital transformation work. Honestly, my takeaway from what you're saying is you get these big, slow moving industries and the digital transformation will happen when the existing workforce ages out of the workforce and then you're forced to replace them. Right. So when you go through that, you're forced to replacement because they're not there or they can't function anymore. What's the way to actually make that successful and not as painful as it might be? Well, there's two sides of it. So there's the capitalist side. And then there's the humanistic side. So if we look at the capitalist side, I mean, our goal is to apply as much technology and digital automation as possible to displace as many human beings as possible. So I have a well-refined and executing machine that makes me money. That's the typical bad rep PE guy. But the humanistic approach says, wow, well, if I do this, I'm going to displace 94% of my workforce and I'm going to make a ton of money. But what are we going to do with these people? And I think it comes down to figuring out ways to amplify that human capital within an organization. And I think that's another factor of private equity that is actually really not focused on much. And beyond just the technology and the bottom line of the organization, we should be looking at human capital because human capital typically runs organizations. So how can you repurpose individuals? How can you advance those individuals? Yeah, I think it's part of this, you know, the migration away from being reliant on human capital is something that's natural for all businesses. We become more efficient. We need less people as the technology continues to work. And I think that the bridge to this is to take the knowledge of the existing systems, understand why they were built, which means that you're reliant on the people that have been the operators to understand how you should be building and integrating the new systems in At the end of the day, digital transformations is something that we've all lived through in the last year or two going through the pandemic. And it's interesting to hear your take on how that's going to continue to happen and focus on some of the larger entities that we think of as slow-moving behemoths. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to these slow-moving behemoths, they are being forced to adapt. Because if you take a look at like Elon Musk, I love Elon because he's actually forcing the large Volkswagens, General Motors, Toyotas of the world to actually follow suit with what he's doing because it is more economical, it's more profitable, it has a greater impact for the economies, for the environments. And the thing is, he created a revolution, if you think about it, for what he's done. He's actually started the engine. He's not going to run the engine because his buying power and his infrastructure power compared to the GMs and Toyotas of the world, it's just incomparable, you know, but he ignited something that is now going to have a massive effect. And if you look at what the GMs are doing versus what like an Elon is doing, like Elon went through a digital transformation, which he applied new, everything's new versus GM, which has to do a full transformation of the existing organization. And if you look, Tesla was up and running within X number of years. GM is going to go through the next 10 years to do a full conversion. 
And again, there's going to be a lot of human capital displacement, but there's also going to be a reallocation of human capital to become interpreters of those machines. So you're going to see changes in workforce based on unionization and so on, but that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother topic for another day. Either way, Paul, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show, telling us a little bit about digital transformations from the private equity perspective and also just generally how private equity works. Thanks for being my guest. Great. Thanks, Ben, for having me. All right. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Paul Ciardo, founder of PS Group Holdings, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Paul, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Paul Ciarto, P-A-U-L-S-Z-Y-A-R-T-O. Or you can visit his company's website, which is paulciarto.com, P-A-U-L-S-Z-Y-A-R-T-O.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.